On this episode of Long Riders Radio, we're going to talk all about the new 2018 Honda Goldwing with Lee Edmonds and Colin Miller from Honda. Well, hey there, everyone. Justin here. Hope everyone's having a good time. Uh, for this episode, we're going to, like I mentioned in the intro, we're going to talk with Lee Edmonds and Colin Miller from Honda, who very nicely agreed to come on the show and talk about the new wing. I put out a, a little message on, on the Facebook group just to see if anyone had any questions. And boy, did a lot of people have questions. So I tried to incorporate as many of those as I could into it. Um, so the credit for the idea for this episode goes to my father-in-law, who mentioned to me, hey, why don't you get in touch with Yamaha and have them talked about the new uh, new FJR coming out or something like that. And so I sent out three emails. The first email was to Yamaha. The second email was to BMW. And the third email was to Honda. And I actually got a response pretty quickly from BMW and asking what the size of my audience was. And apparently it wasn't big enough for them because I never heard back from them. Didn't hear anything from Yamaha, but I did get an email a couple days later from Honda and was able to set up an interview to talk about the new Goldwing. And I was pretty, I was pretty happy with how it turned out. So hopefully you enjoy it as well. And, and just remember one thing as you're listening to this interview, whether you agree with some decisions that were made on the new Goldwing or not, remember this, they chose to come on this show and talk about it. They didn't have to, and they chose to do it. So I really appreciate that on their part, and I really appreciate the frank answers that they gave me on it too. So without any further ado, let's get into it with Lee and with Colin. Well, on the line, we've got Lee Edmonds and Colin Miller from Honda who are here to talk to us about the new Goldwing. Lee and Colin, welcome to Long Riders Radio. You guys want to introduce yourself? Let's uh, start with Lee. Well, thank you. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm Lee Edmonds. Uh, I work in the marketing department at American Honda. I work with all the uh, advertising and the uh, press events. We put together all the media events and uh, introduce uh, all our products to the to the journalists. Awesome. And Colin, what about you? Uh, I am Colin Miller, and I am the uh, two-wheel on-road uh, press coordinator. So basically all activities um, relating to kind of press and the media, I uh, help coordinate that and uh, deal with all those events. Okay. And uh, as I think most people who listen to this show know, the, the Gold Wing went through a pretty big change for 2018, and uh, that's why we've got Lee and Colin here to talk to us. So you, you guys want to give us a, just a general overview of some of the major changes that happened with the wing? Yeah. So um, so basically it is a brand new platform altogether. I mean, it, it has a you know a flat six engine like previous uh, versions of the Goldwing, but that's pretty much where it ends. Um, the engine itself is completely new and has two transmission options. So you have a, a standard you know six speed manual transmission or a seven speed DCT or dual clutch transmission. Um, and kind of with that, you have a, a you know completely new electronic setup with uh, you know throttle by wire. That all integrates with our riding mode setup, um, completely new front suspension. Uh, with the previous version was a telescopic fork, where this is a uh, all-new double wishbone suspension. Um, 
and that also ties in with you know the ride modes as well on the tour model so you have you know the ability to adjust the damping with those modes um the ride modes also provide different kind of power deliveries and i mean with the kind of the next level electronics we've also added is upgrades to the audio system including bluetooth um, full connectivity from through Bluetooth as well as Apple CarPlay, and, um, and kind of all of those tie together on the new display, a new single TFT screen, um, and I mean you've also got you know completely revised uh, kind of body and chassis. We've definitely looked to make the bike a little bit smaller, kind of bring the the rider position forward, lower the center of gravity um, to kind of give it a more sporty feel and um, kind of added to the overall package. So. All right. Well, you mentioned the dual-clutch okay. transmission. Uh, do you want to go talk a little bit about more about what that actually is and how it works? Sure. So um, we originally, I guess a little history on it first, is we originally introduced it on our VFR 1200, um, which was 2009. 2009. Yeah. And then so from there, it has taken several generation leaps into like a NC 700, uh, recently the Africa Twin uh, adventure bike, and now into the Goldwing. Uh, so basically, in essence, you have uh, two clutch packs in regards to how it operates that are oil pressure controlled, and it provides a kind of a, a seamless shift between gears. So you know, disengaging one clutch and engaging the next clutch um, and it's, you know, you, you hear about it on all high-end vehicles. So, I mean, you're, it's not like a, a CVT or anything like that. It's a completely dual-clutch system. Um, and basically with, with this model here, it, it has a seven-speed. So everybody's kind of like, oh, wow, seven-speed. I'm not heard of that coming into the motorcycle world. But with the dual-clutch, it allows us to kind of tune the whole uh, kind of power delivery and, and band up the bike to really optimize how this bike performs, too. Yeah, so one, one clutch will handle the odd-numbered gears and one the even-numbered gears. So what it's doing is, and the reason it's so quick and so smooth, is it's, it's anticipating, you know, based on what the vehicle is doing, what your next shift is going to be, and it's select the other clutch. It's selecting that gear, and it's ready to go when you do it. Exactly. So in, in essence, you're kind of the, the transmission is actually two gears at the same time, but only one is actually engaged. Right. So, so I had a question for you on that because I, I don't I don't ride a bike with a DCT, and a lot of times when I'm accelerating, I'll go first, second, fourth, fifth, <laughs> and and, mm. and really jump up fast through the gears. How does it handle that if you are basically skipping? Is it just quick enough with with both clutches to be able to switch that quickly? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a, it, so you have like with the dual clutch, you have two options. You can either put it into an automatic mm -hmm. mode where mm -hmm. you can kind of customize it, it's shifting for you. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Or you can use a paddle shifter. Um, that's not to say that you can't use the paddle shifting while in the automatic mm -hmm. mode, but the, as you shift up through the gears, it seamlessly moves to the next one hmm. based on, you know, what kind of throttle input you're giving. Um, based on where the RPMs are at. So it's anticipating the next shift immediately. I mean, you can just literally button after button, go up through, down yeah. through. It's seamless through so, that. So, yeah, it can be completely manual if you want it to be or completely automatic. Or if you're in automatic, you can override at any time and, and, and put, you know, take control of what gear you're in. Oh, very nice. 
So how how, do, yeah. how how does it work at low speeds? I mean, when when you would be normally pushing a cl- pulling a clutch in, how how does that work? So the because um, it's oil pressure controlled, so oil pressure is fed to a, a clutch pack basically to engage it. Uh-huh. Um, the 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 algorithm. So when you're taking off, it basically is feathering kind of the pressure to that clutch to provide that kind of smooth engagement, mm-hmm. and then. You know, as you're you're up to speed, that will change, and and different modes can change the output while you're actually on the road. But at slow speeds, it really allows you to kind of take off in a, a smoother manner, similar to like what you would be doing with your clutch lever. Mm-hmm. But so the it's just it a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So how how does that is it is it able to do something where because I know that like at really slow speeds when I'm when I'm trying to balance, I'll I'll feather the clutch a lot and rev the engine up. Is that possible on this just to keep the the revs up on the engine or is it, is it just something you just kind of have to deal with? (laughs) Um, that's not necessarily possible. I mean, there are things if you, depending on, you know, what level of rider you are, you can, you can do a little more with, you know, feathering the rear brake and getting on it in, in like really tight maneuvering. But I mean, overall it's a really smooth engagement and allows you to make, um, you know, tight turns at slow speed, without any problem. Oh, but cool. thinking about your operation, you're, the reason you're keeping the revs up is because you're worried about stalling it, right? Well, that and just keeping the basically a gyro to in the, as the engine being a gyroscope oh, yeah. to help keep me upright. Yeah. All right. Um, so I put out questions to uh, to my my listeners on Facebook and uh, asked them, hey, if you had a if you had a chance to ask uh, Honda a question about the new Goldwing, uh, what would it be? And so I got three or four here that I'd, I'd like to ask you guys that uh, were kind of questions slash concerns people brought up. And uh, I don't think um, from what I was able to gather, these are people just looking at specs um, and not actually having ridden it yet. So I don't know if that would uh, influence your answer at all here. But uh, first question was about luggage capacity. With the long distance riders, we tend to pack a lot of stuff with us. And there was some questions about why the reduced luggage capacity on the new on the new bike. Well, uh, yes, luggage capacity is down, and, uh, and, and it is by design. I mean, one of the things when you look at this motorcycle, we wanted to really make it uh, sleek, narrow, uh, and, and really have this more sporty appeal to it, which I think they've accomplished very well. When you look at, them, when you look at it, it's a very attractive-looking motorcycle. It's a lot more narrow. Uh, and then they also looked at, I know you, your, your group is long-distance riders, but they also looked at, as a whole, the Goldwing group in terms of how people are using their motorcycles these days. And as a group, uh, long-distance riders, not, you know, they're obviously part of that, but as a, a larger group, people are taking a little bit shorter trips. They're not, the trips aren't as long. So one of the things they felt was, well, we could potentially reduce that capacity a little bit. But uh, additionally, they looked at gear these days. Gears is, uh, is, is uh, thinner, the materials are thinner, so you can actually pack more, pack more things in the bags. And what we've done ourselves when we did for our dealers, it's actually possible to pack for two people for a week in this motorcycle. Obviously, you're gonna pack a little, little differently than you normally would, but uh, we did a little uh, uh, 
walk around with our dealers, we did a, a dealer meeting where we actually did that. We took uh, two people's clothes for a week and essentially packed it into all all the the bags on the bike. Wow. So I think it just I think it just requires a little different thinking about you know I mean obviously you know you're going to pack to the you're going to pack to the size of the capacity a yeah. little bit. Well, and there's but, there's always that that old adage of whatever you're going to take take half of it away, put it back in the house, and then take yeah. half of what you've got left in that pile and put half of it back in the house. <laughs> yeah, I, and, and, and yeah, and it's just, I think it's a, it's, it's, it's just part of human nature, right? So yep. as yeah. I moved into, you know, from an apartment to a house, all of a sudden I had more stuff than <laughs> I had a garage. <laughs> I got more stuff in the garage, where before I lived just fine without all that stuff, yep. but I, I've got it. <laughs> but... But back to this, I mean, it really was, uh, there, there were a lot of different, you know, when you're designing a motorcycle that needs to appeal to a lot different groups, and, and, and uh, we needed to make sure that the Goldwing uh, uh, started appealing also to a group of motorcyclists that never would consider a Goldwing before. Hmm. They looked at the Goldwing, and they said, ah, old man's bike, yeah. uh, big, bulbous, heavy, and we really needed to uh, change that thinking so that people got it into their, at least their consideration set. They look at it now and maybe they would say, hey, I, that's something I would ride. So we really needed to make it more sleek. We really needed to make it lighter. And we, we had to make some you know, difficult decisions on yeah. that and luggage capacity was one of those. So. Well, speaking of difficult decisions, I'm sure this next question is right up there in, in that uh, category, too. Also raised was uh, the fuel capacity going down. You want to talk about that and what the, some, what the thinking was there? So, um, yeah, obviously people have, you know, said, oh, you, but you dropped in fuel capacity. But, I mean, if you look at the overall picture, is that it, has, it hasn't actually lost any range. It still retains the same range as the old bike. But now you're adding to like what Lee was saying about the, the kind of overall size and, and reducing the weight, lowering the center of gravity. That all added up to, to basically you're able to drop that gallon off and, uh, but still retain the same range by utilizing more modern technology, a fly-by-wire, upgraded engine components, things like that. So, I mean, um, there has been a little – everybody, you know, like with the luggage, there's always more. You can always have more, yeah. but – idea that this bike needed to yeah. to grow and appeal to a kind of a new generation and a new generation of rider um that was part of that overall package design yeah and if like you said if they're looking at one number if they're looking at a spec yes fuel capacity down but as colin said range is the same yeah and on the dct model that range was calculated in the tour mode tour. so there's four different modes there's tour mode an econ mode a rain mode and a sport mode so in the tour mode uh, it retains the same range as the previous uh, model Goldwing. Uh, obviously, if you ride it in sport mode all the time, your range is going to be less. <laughs> if you just like anything else, right? Yeah. So, and if uh, econ mode, you're going to get slightly better. So, uh, but in the in the tour mode, which is where most people will be most of the time, the range is the same. Yeah. Earlier, when you were going through the kind of the general overview of the new bike, you mentioned uh, Apple CarPlay. Any uh, any thoughts of adding Android Auto support to it as well at some point in the future? 
I mean, it's definitely something that we know customers have, have mentioned and uh, asked about. Um, during the original development, it, the scheduling with working with them just didn't work out, so it wasn't something that was kind of able to go on the bike. Um, and, and obviously the bike will always continue to evolve, so we hope in the future that might be something we can do. But, I mean, as of with this model, it wasn't possible to do so. Yeah, and you can still connect Bluetooth mm -hmm. with your Android okay. phone. You just don't have the same functions that you do, obviously, with Apple CarPlay, but you can still yeah. you still have the connectivity. Yeah, you could still do music, download your contacts list, make phone calls. Um, you know, all the yeah. features you would normally get with a Bluetooth device is still possible. So not trying to pin you down on whether it will be offered in the future, but is the does the design of the uh, kind of the entertainment package, does it lend itself to being able to be upgraded at some like with a plug a USB port into it, do an upgrade and now you have new functionality or is that something that, uh, that it would need a whole new console for basically? No, I mean, the system can be upgraded and updated um, throughout its life. So that's, you know, definitely something we're looking at. Okay. Uh, last question, user or last listener question was on the GPS, and there was some concern raised that there was a limited number of waypoints available on the on the GPS. And obviously, with with people doing motor these long distance rallies and things like that, we're putting probably twenty thirty waypoints in on a for a day, maybe. Um, is is that something that's going to be that that you guys are aware of and are looking to to update? Yes, we, we are aware of it, and um, we are currently looking that, at that. And as to your, your previous question, you know, the system can be updated, so we're, we're, we're looking into that. Okay. I mean, there are all, to, like, um, I guess to touch on that a little bit, is the, the GPS on the bike is not your only option as well because the unit does have CarPlay and Bluetooth capabilities right. that, you know, you can use the maps on your, uh, your phone as well. Um, and also, you know, if you're, you're patched in through Bluetooth, you can tie in, you know, your turn by turn directions through there. Mm -hmm. So depending on the, the, how involved you want to get, there are options, but like we said, it's definitely something we understand, um, that there is a, a limitation on that and definitely looking towards it. Okay. And then uh, just a general question that I had, actually, this I take that back. This is another listener question. Um, general question of why, why do the whole big redesign instead of just like updating the electronics or doing kind of a piecemeal, you kind of mentioned on it a, a little earlier that you were looking for a, a, to expand the, the audience of the bike, so to speak. Is that kind of the reason for the entire redesign? Yes. Uh, Cause that, you know, well, it's, it's been what sixteen years yeah. since we uh, redesigned it the last time, two thousand and one. So seventeen years. Uh, <clears throat> so it needed it. I yeah. mean, uh, it was not. It was not in a lot of people's consideration uh, mindset. You know, so so unless you were a, a Goldwing rider and already knew the benefits of that motorcycle it wasn't something you considered you know and even you know uh, uh, people that you know hardcore Goldwing riders uh, weren't upgrading their machines either because really there was no reason to mm -hmm. um, so it needed uh, a complete refresh a complete redesign to uh, kind of change that dynamic a little bit in terms of 
we, you know, and when I say younger people, I'm not talking, we're not, it's not millennials or anything like that. We're talking people that are entering that touring life stage, people yeah. that are in their, you know, late 40s and early 50s whose kids are now, you know, old enough that they can go take a weekend trip or, you know, go, go take a little time by themselves. So, um, uh, but they weren't looking at the gold wing just because it it was it just had this reputation out there, and we've all heard the terms of you know rolling couch and you know old man's bike and those kind of things. And for those of us that have ridden it and knew, we knew that it wasn't any of those things, but that was the reputation that it had. So, uh, and that was the big uh, drive behind the complete redesign was to to really start changing that dynamic and really get people thinking about Goldwing and that's a bike that they would consider. But it also had to appeal to our core target, our core Goldwing customer, because they're the they're the people who have made the Goldwing what it is today, right? Mm -hmm. So it needed to have it needed to retain that gold wing feel, which I think the, the, the designers did a really good job of it. So uh, you mentioned the, the last change back in two thousand one and uh when I don't know if if either of you were with the company at that point, but was there was was there a trepidation of that when 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 that change happened? Were people like eh, I'm not really sure about this because I don't for me I'm one of those people who like I want everything new and different, but to be exactly the same as it was before. And um, I think a lot of the the questions I was getting from people on when I put this out to my Facebook group was just not sure about the new thing. And, and when you, in 2001, did you see kind of that same kind of trepidation towards the new style? And then after time people warm up to it? Yeah, yes, we did. Um, so I was with the company in 2001 and uh, it's interesting because there were, you know, similar goals at that time for the 2001 Goldwing, because it had been a similar period from the 1500. I think the 1500, the last update was 1988, was when the 1500 came out. And it was, you know, 13 years until, uh, if I got my math correct there, until the 2001. And um, uh, so, yes, you know, there's. it's always hard to, uh, for when you have experience with something like that and you're used to the way it is to, to, to go to something new. So there was trepidation, but I will say uh, in 2001, uh, that was one of the most successful model releases we had done in terms of its boost to sales. I mean, we saw in, an immediate uh, climb back to, you know, because Goldwing had started uh, taper off a little bit, similar to as it has done, you know, here recently. And when we introduced that model, and it's in our, you look at our history of Goldwing, every time we've introduced something new, there's always this big spike. Yeah. I think Goldwing attracts uh, early adopters, I think, in some sense, because, uh, you know, it is a group of people that like being that uh, uh, that early adopter. So if history's, if history's a guide, they can count on it's going to be 10 to 15 years before the new one's going to come out. So they'll have the new one for a long time. Yeah. Uh, we hope to not uh, have that long a gap here <laughs> in the future. But, but, you know, I would say right now, uh, sales of the new one are uh, right on expectations. You know, we wanted to get back to where we were with those levels 
of the 2001 Goldwing. Uh, from about 01 to 08, 09, we were between 13,000 and 15,000 units a year in terms of sales. Uh, then after the Lehman shock, it dropped off, uh, and it never quite recovered back to those levels. So that's the goal to get back to those levels. And so far, uh, we only have two months of numbers to look at, but uh, we're, we're on track to, to be back at those levels. Awesome. Um, the interesting thing you talk about early adopters is uh, well over 60% of demand right now is for the DCT model, which surprised us. We had to shift our production to... Uh, to uh, try and meet that demand. Wow. Yeah, that's, I, I mean, if I was looking at one, I think that's probably the one I would look at personally, but yeah. uh, I, don't, I don't tend to do a lot of writing that re requires a, a lot of fancy clutch work or anything, so. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting. It, even, even when you're on a twisty road, what the DCT does is it really, it frees up this, you're not thinking about the next shift, you're not yeah. thinking about, okay, here should I be in, you're thinking about your corner entry mm -hmm. and, and uh, you know you're leaning, you're thinking about other things, and it just kind of adds to the fun factor a little bit. Where I think some people think it's going to detract, it actually adds. And and we've seen this at demos, not only for consumers but dealers as well. They come into it going, eh, I don't even, you know, I don't even care about DCT. I'm not even thinking about it. And they get off the ride and they go, I I need to rethink my position. Yeah. So, hey, a question I forgot to ask you about the DCT is. Do you see Honda moving more towards DCT versus standard clutch bikes? Um, I mean, is that kind of the, the what you guys see as the wave of the future? Um, I think that it 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 definitely lends to a um, to grow the motorcycle market and adds kind of another level of, of ability for maybe people who didn't consider it or weren't thinking about a motorcycle. It allows them to come in. Also, like Lee said, it gives you kind of something else to not have to worry about and kind of adds to the ride. Um, but on that being said, we know that, you know, there's a lot of kind of core motorcyclists that yeah. still want a manual clutch. And that's why if, if you look at all of our model lineup, including the goal wing, we offer both options because we know that there are some people that they may ride the DCT and, you know, it rides really well. It's great, but they just want that, that feel of the, of the manual clutch. And so, it's not something that we're going to, you know, completely detract from in the manual. It's we offer both options, so there's always kind of that appeal for somebody who does want it or somebody who wants to maybe come into the market or, or try something different and just kind of take a different way. So. Yeah. So this is a question I've always wanted to ask a manufacturer, and I already know the answer to it, but I want to ask it anyway because it'll be funny. Uh, so whenever anyone on the internet talks about putting a car tire on a motorcycle rim. There are two arguments that get made. One is a, car, uh, a, a motorcycle rim is not the same as a car rim and you'll die in a fiery death. The second is, well, no one's had ever had a problem with it. So <laughs> I'm just curious, is there any possibility ever of Honda ever officially offering a motor or a car tire on a motorcycle? No. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> so, um, well, guys, on this podcast, um, if you've got the time, um, I ask everyone the same series of 12 questions. Would you be uh, interested in doing that? It's a, it's like basically what was your first motorcycle type questions? Are you interested sure. in doing? Okay. So first question in the LD dozen, as I call them, is what was your first motorcycle and why? 
mine, this is Lee, was an SL70, 1971, blue, and I was 10 years old, and uh, my my father uh, got us into it, uh, and it was primarily, well, I was 10, so it was our dirt bike. Nice. So, Colin, what about you? Uh, as, as for me, it was a, a Z50. Um, I was probably about seven or eight at the time. I don't remember exactly, but, uh, yeah, you know, Christmas morning, basically, my dad and, you know, kind of, you open all the gifts and everything like that. You're like, oh, cool. And then he's like, oh, you know what? Let's go to the garage real quick and walk <laughs> out there. And, it's there. you know, he pulls the cover off of it. And you're like, the same. oh, my God, you know. And then, uh, yeah, pretty much it was all from there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Where, where did you take your first overnight ride? So I, yeah, I guess for me, it kind of varies because um, my – if you're talking just in motorcycles in general, yeah. I did a lot of riding with my family um, previous to actually having my own motorcycle. So I've been, I mean, I was probably maybe seven or eight sometime oh, wow. around the same time I got like that I first took um, a trip. My dad had a sidecar and still does, still has the same sidecar to this day. So I, I've taken many of little camping trips with him on that and been on overnight trips with my mom so probably around seven or eight probably be about the same time that i could remember i've heard that i've been on once before but <laughs> kind of heard of memory actually at working yeah <laughs> for me it had to be uh well there was lots of camping trips when i was a kid on a dirt bike but are you are you asking from a street bike perspective uh, or either either or it doesn't matter camping trip works well, the first for me was uh camping and riding dirt bikes with my uh my dad and my brother Nice. So, all right, I'm going to skip the next question because it's what's your day job, and I think we've established that already. But uh, we'll move <laughs> on to question four. Uh, what is your favorite non-motorcycling hobby? Well, it's two wheels for me, and it's uh, mountain biking. Uh, I like doing that, and also road cycling. Nice. Um, for myself, I'm actually uh, kind of like the I'm kind of a tinkerer in my natural nature, and so. Um, do a lot of like uh, actual scale model stuff and things oh, like cool. that. So, yeah. Very nice. That's All cool. right. Wh- what is your favorite road? <laughs> um, for me, there is a, the road that I kind of, I guess most connect on. There's a road up here called the GMR Glendora mountain road. It's kind of a really tight Southern California Canyon. And, um, and I, when I first moved to Southern California, I had a, a friend, who take me on that road and uh, it stuck with me for a long time. So I have, I couldn't tell you how many times I've been on that road. And that's just every time I, you, you stop and you just can't help but have a big smile. So yeah. that would be my favorite road. I'm looking uh, at it on Google. Mine, and it looks fun. <laughs> <laughs> mine would have to be, uh, there's a, an event that one of our magazines uh, does annually uh, called the Trek, Cycle World Trek. And, uh, uh, Italian Bar Road. So it's this just rural. Uh, it's uh, mostly uh, single lane. <laughs> so, uh, and it's just turn after turn after turn. And you're on dual sport bikes, which makes it a little fun because yeah. those are uh, can be uh, a challenge, but uh, it's great. Cool. Yeah, it looks like a fun road, too. All right, on the flip side of that, what's your least favorite road? 
405, Interstate 405. <laughs> Colin, what interstate is it for you? <laughs> uh, it would probably be the 91 okay. freeway. Yep. Similar, but yeah, this is bad. Yeah, plenty of freeways to choose from down there. Exactly. All right. Um, when you're planning a trip, do you use what, – what kind of software are you use to plan it? Use Basecamp, Streets and Trips, Paper Maps, Google, the official Honda – trip planning tool, whatever it might be called. <laughs> Honda trip planner. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what it's called? <laughs> yeah. Um, I always start with paper. I'm old school. So I always get out a, a, a map and start looking at stuff where I want to go. And then from there, I'll, I'll program a route. Probably most usually base camp, something like that. Nice. Yeah, I mean, most of the time, um, I'm similar. There are some maps that are kind of geared towards motorcycling. Um, yeah, so like Butler maps, and mm-hmm. I really kind of like looking through those and, and just kind of like that road looks like fun. And then just kind of either, it, it depends on what I'm riding, or but usually, you know, plug it into my phone and just kind of explore a little bit. I, li- I don't like to, the turn-by-turn stuff is, is really cool a lot of times, but sometimes that it's like yeah. the, you know, Lord. this is where I'm going, and how I get there is, you know, maybe yeah. this direction, yeah. but I'm not going to be specific about it. You know, it. one one tool we've, we've been, I've been using, and we use it here more and more, is Rever. So that's mm. a good thing tool. So a lot of times we'll go into Rever and look at routes, and uh, I think they they team up with Butler Maps so mm-hmm. that you can uh, you can go in there, and it will suggest to you the best motorcycle routes. So it's pretty awesome. Cool. All right. Uh, if you get a new bike tomorrow, what's the first Farkle you're going to put on it? Mine's Africa Twin, and I'm going to put. Uh, I'm going to put. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to get the bags, the TourTech bags. I mean, for me, I would probably, if I was to to buy a bike tomorrow, I would probably actually buy a CB500F, um, and with that. Um, since I am a, a canyon guy, I may do some, you know, some suspension upgrade, something like that. I don't. That would probably be something I would do, just because I like to. You know, it, it, you may not think it's a, a little track bike, but actually, I, <laughs> I actually think it does really well in the canyons, and uh, I'm. I think I'm, you do a got a little extra around the the midsection, so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But he also, one of his personal bikes is a Grom, that he's probably spent more on that Grom uh, uh, than the Grom cost. You know, he races yeah. this guy. Yeah. yeah, it's basically become a track-only bike. Nice. It no longer sees the street. I just take it to the car tracks and do mini racing on it. And uh, it, it, that's kind of the talk about a hobby that is related to motorcycles that's what really soaks up a lot of yeah. my time is that little bike that actually leads right into my next question which what is your current motor what, what's in your current stable right now so you got the grom what else you got uh i also have a uh, cbr 600 okay uh so those are kind of my two main bikes one i you know ride daily and the other the grom was kind of a something i was going to ride daily but it quickly evolved into a uh, track only bike nice <laughs> So I have a, uh, a CRF250X, uh, a CB400, um, or yeah, CB400 and a uh, Grom. Nice. 
All right, and question number 10 is, so long distance riders, one of the first things people in this community do is they uh, they put a new seat on the motorcycle, a custom aftermarket seat. So I don't know if you guys are into that, but who made your seat is the next question. Honda. No, is a, 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 on my personal bikes, I haven't really changed the seat on my CVR. I did do a uh, some uh, new seat covers on my, my little race grum. The uh, Throttle Jockey is a company that redoes seat covers for us on our race team and things like that. And uh, they actually made some uh, some kind of gripper covers for the Grom itself. So I kind of nice. redid my cover with a throttle jockey cover. And wow. uh, so, yeah, you can see where the Grom is going. Yeah, yeah. quickly devolving. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, question 11 is what is the favorite, your favorite or the most interesting location you've visited on your motorcycle? Um, I mean, I would say I- I've, in, in regards to those lines for, for me, um, is I did a 10-day trip into mainland Mexico hmm. um, probably about 10 years ago. And the trip, if you were to look at it as a whole, it was a complete disaster in regards to weather, um, having to sleep in the middle of nowhere with no camping gear. But, um, you know, I look back on it now, and I think well, that was probably one of the, the most memorable best trips I ever had on a motorcycle. Is that down to Cotton Canyon? Yeah, it was actually. Yeah. And I've never been there myself, but I have a buddy who took his KLR 650 down there and, and, uh, I I got to see his pictures. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was quite the trip. And it, 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 at the time I was like, I'm, I'm going to die here in Mexico. But, and now (laughs) I look back on it, like it was probably one of the best trips I ever had. That's for sure. Most interesting. That's for sure. Lee, what about you? Uh, well, it's kind of twofold for me. Uh, on a dirt bike, uh, Caliente, Nevada, there's it's just some amazing off-road riding there. And then on a street bike, uh, uh, doing uh, Highway 1 uh, on mm. the Pacific Coast, PCH, the, whole, the entire length of it. That's one of my, uh, one of the things I've, I want to do is I want to ride Highway 1 all the way down. <laughs> yeah, got- it's awesome. Never gotten the opportunity to do it, but all right. The last question is how do you pass the time on a long ride? You listen to music, audiobooks, watch the flowers go by. Um, I guess it's a kind of two things. I do, you know, listen to, you know, uh, actually podcasts. Um, that is one thing, but also I'm kind of one of those guys, you know, that I'll, I'll kind of, I guess it kind of sounds a little crazy, but I talk to myself a little bit, maybe make up a song or something yeah. along the way, <laughs> talking to the cars around you somewhat as if they're listening to you, but it, it you know, does sound a little odd, but I find myself doing that occasionally just to kind of pass the time. Uh, when I was a kid, on any Sunday was a huge influence. I think my dad took us to see it in the drive-in about five or six different times. And uh, so when I'm riding dirt bikes, that's, song always pops into my head you know it just, for some reason every time I'm on a, on a dirt bike that happens but on a road bike uh, typically uh, I, I I just I don't listen to anything I just you know kind of yeah, I guess I just let my thoughts wander and uh, just listen to what's going on around me. I want to thank you so much for uh, for talking to me, and uh, I'll leave you if anything else you want to say. Leave leave us with with the new wing or anything else about Honda. I guess uh, just 
thanks to everybody that has, uh, you know, bought one in the past or is buying a current one. I mean, uh, I think I mentioned it earlier, our, you know, our core Goldwing customer really has made this model what it is today. I mean, if you go all the way back to 75, when the bike first came out, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily designed as the, to be this what it's become today, but the, the user really kind of pushed it in that direction. And so, uh, uh, yeah, thanks to everybody out there. Yeah. If you a, get a chance, I mean, go ahead. With our, we got a lot of demos going on at random events and things too. If you get a chance to go ride it, it really uh, it can change your perception on what you think the bike is too. If you get a chance to take it for a spin. Very nice. So. Well, thank you both for coming on. That is Lee Edmonds and Colin Miller from Honda Motorcycles. Thanks again, guys. Thank you. Well, if you'd like to get in contact with me, there's lots of ways you can do it. Easiest way is to head over to that website, www.longridersradio.com. There you will find the official Long Riders Radio t-shirt for sale now. Uh, if you've, you've missed the pre-sale, but I still do have some in stock. So if you're interested, get them while they're hot. And as always, we need to thank this show's founder, Mr. Michael Cox. You know, I was talking to Mike the other day, and I said, Hey, Mike, uh, what do you think of these little ditties I do at the end uh, talking about you? Do you like them? And he said, No. Thanks for listening, everyone. Ride safe. <laughs>